And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying your uh, crazy football weekend. It is crazy basketball yet again. We are on the air to cover it all here. As <laughs> my glasses are a little strange. Uh, cover it all here, as always. Um, and certainly plenty to cover, to say the least. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you uh, can enjoy the show. If you want to, join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Spent a few days at the National Convention. We'll talk about that uh, just a little bit as well, as it does have some implications on uh, Division Three basketball, certainly. We'll also talk um, about the craziness that, that has been in the hoops world, certainly. Um, you know, plenty of upsets on the men's side yet again, even some upsets on the women's side to talk about. Forgive the crazy glasses. Felt like taking a break from the, uh, from the, uh, contacts today. And apparently my glasses wanted to take a break from working as well, but say la vie. Hey, we've got lots of guests on the air for us today. Uh, we're going to have, uh, Elmhurst men's basketball, Brooklyn men's basketball, Tufts women's basketball, and Maryville women's basketball all ahead here on the show. We'll also um, talk to John Zeke, uh, retiring athletics director at Piedmont College. He'll join us to talk. Uh, remember, he's also former basketball coach at Cabrini. He also served on the committee, though we didn't talk about that when we chatted in a over the weekend at the NCAA convention. But that's what we've got ahead of us, certainly, like I said. Plenty to talk about. Don't forget, coming up, uh, plenty to, to look at um, in the world of basketball. Uh, while at the convention, I finally got that chat with the Men's Basketball Committee uh, Chair, Jeff Burns, Athletics Director at Randolph-Macon. Won't hear that until the Hoopsville Marathon Show set for Thursday the 29th. So in about 10 days, you'll get to hear that interview. It was certainly enlightening, certainly well uh, thought um very long, uh, much longer than I thought. I thought it went pretty smoothly. <laughs> uh, I just got the clips today, was looking at the length, and was pretty impressed with the length that it came out to be. Um, but we will have that coming up on the Hoopsville Marathon coming up uh, in a week and a half time. We'll also, at that marathon, talk to the Women's Basketball Committee Chair uh, as well, uh, Dave Martin. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the, the, the convention as well. Uh, coming up here in the show and plenty more, but let's talk about what's going on in the crazy world of Division Three basketball, and it, it starts um, really, let's go to last night, uh, Franklin and Marshall taking their first loss of the season when uh, McDaniel tripped them up. I don't think that was necessarily a huge surprise, but certainly an outcome maybe not everybody was expecting. Um, that was on Saturday. Uh, they weren't all, the only ones. Catholic defeated Scranton. Scranton didn't seem to be in good shape, though apparently their number one player, Ross Danzig, is hurt and could be hurt badly. Don't know more than that. Haven't heard anything. Haven't certainly called them to ask. But that could be a big uh, um, problem for the Royals. The Royals, by the way, 15-2 and heading into that game against Catholic in landmark play and uh, taking a tough loss. Again, McDaniel with a good strategy, win uh, against Franklin and Marshall by a point. Uh, North Central lost its second straight game, falling to Elmhurst, who obviously we'll be talking to here on the show. You'll remember North Central lost to Augustana back on Wednesday. Uh, Augustana had to hold off Wheaton 
who may not have the best record, but they certainly have had the closest results against most of their CCIW opponents. By the way, on the on on the women's side, things weren't uh, all that smooth for Catholic uh, or for Scranton either, as Catholic defeated them, and so you got a nice sweep, as it were. Um, Whitewater was able to beat Lacrosse. This is all Saturday's results. Lots of craziness. Ohio Wesleyan. Um, beat DePaul, Mike DeWitt with his 300th win. Lots of coaches out there with wins. Uh, for example, uh, Carthage's men's basketball coach got another win to go up to 500. Congratulations to Bosco on that one. By the way, Amherst men's basketball on Friday lost uh, to Tufts and then rebounded to beat Bates. Craziness in the NESCAC, to say the least. You'll have to figure, though, the Tufts men's basketball team will be coming out of the top 25. I don't remember the last time that happened. We'll be talking to Tufts women's basketball. They beat Amherst on Friday. We will talk to them about that big win. Granted, it was on the road, so Amherst's very long home winning streak is still in play. In the UAA, things are topsy-turvy yet again. WashU, who lost to Chicago last week, beat Emory 80-67. to Emory had a tough trip out to the Midwest. As Emory then went on to lose to Chicago today, Chicago undefeated in the conference along with Case Western Reserve, both teams at 3-0. In conference action, WashU got the win over Emory on Friday and then responded by barely beating our tough Rochester squad today. We mentioned Chicago beat Rochester on Friday and then went on to beat Emory today. Um... By the way, a question, um, I may have had it here. We were talking about Amherst uh, men maybe falling out of the top 25. Um, the question is, when's the last time the top 25 did not have a team from the NESCAC? Um, well, the answer is going to be Monday, most likely. Um, but I don't know the last time. I thought maybe Gordon in the cool write-up may have had that answer for me. He does not. So lots of craziness especially on the men's side. And, and again, no surprise there, right? Um, the last time I the top 25 was smooth was, was not. I mean, last Wednesday, um, Ohio Wesleyan lost to Wabash. Um, of course, we didn't cover that on the show, on Thursday's show, because we had pre-taped the show already. Um, who else? We had another significant loss, um, but I'm just not remember, remembering it off the top of my head. But... Uh, it's just it's 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 just on the men's side, just complete and oh, it was uh, Johns Hopkins over Dickinson, just nuts. Um, not that I'm surprised that Dickinson lost. Not that I'm surprised Franklin and Marshall lost, especially at McDaniel. F and M has trouble at, at really they have trouble on the road for starters. They always have trouble at McDaniel, um, among other places. To be honest, um, Dickinson losing to Hopkins. Probably not that surprising. Hopkins seems to be on the roll recently as well. So, you know, plenty to, to, to consider and talk about and whatnot. So we'll see uh, how this all shapes out in the top 25. I have my voter information. Our esteemed colleague Pat Coleman sent it to us. It is, I think, 15 pages of information. If anyone's curious, it's what it kind of looks like. We get a the team, you'll see Augustana here if you can read it. it. says what their record is. Gives us their last bunch of games. This dates back to the beginning of December. We don't have earlier games there, but if they have lost, it will say it down here. It says Central, 
who was nine and six, and what they lost, what the losing score was, and then you have all that information here. Again, back to uh, beginning of December. If you need to go back further, you do the research yourself. But this is 15 pages. It's in the order of the top 25 until it gets to the, um, those receiving votes, and then it's uh, alphabetical along with anybody else who deserves some attention. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting vote this week, to say the least. Um, I, 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 Augustana will most likely stay number one. My vote is with St. Thomas. Where everybody else falls is to be determined. And we already know Augustana got through unscathed. Whitewater got through unscathed. St. Thomas got through unscathed. Dickinson did not. Emory certainly didn't. Wash U did. Marietta is still undefeated. Virginia Wesleyan got through unscathed. North Central took a hit. Of course, North Central takes a hit right after I give them a big boost in my top 25 poll. Franklin and Marshall took a hit. Richard Stockton, who we pointed out, lost to Rampo about 30 minutes. The game went final after the top 25 came out. Albertus Magnus continues to go through unscathed, but certainly allowed a lot of points against LaSalle. Uh, WPI had a nice bounce back with a win over Babson. Worcester, uh, talk about a crazy game, beat Wittenberg today 104-97. to <laughs> Rivalry games, huh? Um, Babson, we mentioned, lost to WPI and then rebounded and barely beat Wheaton of Massachusetts. Randolph-Macon continues to win after uh, spanking Hampton-Sydney by 22 and then beating Roanoke. 101 to 73. Mentioned Ohio Wesleyan taking a hit. Stevens Point playing well. They got their big game coming up against Whitewater for the top of the conference. That's coming up. St. Norbert continues to play well. Chapman playing well, but boy, Caltech gave them a scare. If you didn't see that one, that was thrilling to keep an eye on. St. Olaf unscathed. Elmhurst took a loss to Carthage, came back and beat North Central. Scranton lost two. Ithaca and Catholic. Scranton's out of your top 25. They're going to be off my poll for sure, especially if that injury is true. We mentioned Amherst losing to Tufts and then beating Bates, and we mentioned Bates losing to Amherst. Bates also lost to Trinity this weekend. Rough, rough weekend in the NESCAC. Bethel lost again, this time to Carrollton, ahead of their game against St. Thomas. I'm just now reading teams that may, might be in, of interest. Bowden. Uh, they got two wins. Brooklyn, who we'll talk to later, got a couple wins after a loss last week. Calou has another loss, this one to Occidental. Calvin is starting to roll along here nicely. They've won six straight. Case Western Reserve, this may be the story of the UAA this year, beat Brandeis in overtime today after beating NYU two days ago. Catholic Rolling along pretty nicely. Last time they lost was December 15th. Since they came back from the break, they've done nothing but win. Maybe they finally figured things out there in D.C. Center has had an up-and-down season. Lost to Suwannee and Birmingham Southern. Then responded and won against Millsaps. And thanked Suwannee for the loss with a win. Chicago unscathed. Christopher Newport lost to Marymount. There's that team we talked to a couple weeks ago that's worth keeping an eye on as well. Claremont Mud Scripps. Back to their winning ways. Cortland State, after losing three straight, has won two in a row, but they needed overtime against Plattsburgh State. I mean, this is just unreal. DePaul taking two more losses. Dubuque now takes a, uh, a loss. They've lost two of the last three. Buena Vista with the win. Buena Vista, remember, was picked to win that conference. 
Eastern Connecticut, after losing to Amherst, has come back to win three straight. Hamden Sydney, after doing so well this season, were undefeated, lost to Husson, then lost to UC Irvine, won a couple, and now have lost three straight, including the spanking to Randolph making and a double overtime loss to Eastern Mennonite. Harden Simmons took a loss to Mary Harden Baylor on Friday and then responded with a win against Concordia. I should say that was Thursday and then Saturday. Husson continues to win. Illinois Wesleyan continues to win after their loss to North Central. Hopkins, as we pointed out, I think Hopkins has won 11 straight. Their last loss was to Franklin and Marshall. And that game was back in November. So Hopkins is rolling along. Middlebury 12-2 now. Though they played the easier part of their conference schedule, granted a win over Wesleyan, and a convincing 37-point win over Wesleyan, but I don't know if Wesleyan's 11-5 record is all that telling of maybe how good or bad they are. MIT continues to win. NYU had a rough weekend with a loss to Case Western Reserve. Oglethorpe continues to win after, or won, won two straight, I should say. Plattsburgh State took a loss to Cortland, as we mentioned. I'm just going through teams that were met, you know, considered on the sheets of paper. It's unbelievable what's going on in the men's top 25. Could keep going and going on that if we wanted to. So if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. On the women's side, it's relatively quiet. I think Gordon Mann rubbed it in that it took him 10 minutes to do the top 25 poll last week. I think it's going to take him just a little bit longer this week, but not much. Whereas the rest of us, rest of us men voters are going to be in for a battle trying to figure out our top 25. By the way, at the NCAA convention, we'll talk a little bit as I finish up the show too, but we'll talk quickly now. Awesome experience. So glad I went. We'll be doing that again, I think. Uh, not only because you get to interact with Division Three, but you get to see how it all plays out and, and how they're voting and what they're trying to consider, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, one thing that's of significance for basketball is basketball. You can now start if Friday, if the 15th falls on a Saturday, Sunday, or Monday in the future. You will be allowed to start your season on the Friday prior. So next year... While the official date is November 15th, you will be able to play games starting on Friday the 13th. Now, being that it's Friday the 13th, it is up to you as to whether you want to take on that gamble. Um, by the way, we have a 90th championship in, in, in the NCAA now. Women's Sand Volleyball was approved and Division Three approved to add it as a sport themselves. Though there's no teams in Division Three, Just thought that was kind of interesting. Also coming up, uh, let's see, recruiting changes. Coaches can now talk to recruits uh, after the completion of their sophomore year. It had been junior year. Uh, On-site uh, visits couldn't happen until they had started their senior year. Now that can start January 1 of their junior year. All these made sense. You can now have a letter of intent signing. It's non-binding in Division Three, But if a basketball crew wants to... Point out that he's heading to a school, put a hat on and sign a letter and do it in front of some media. He's more than welcome to. There is a letter in Division Three now. It'll be effective on August 1. That letter, uh, again, non-binding letter, meaning he can change his mind with no problems. The only recruiting thing that knocked down was the... Uh, was the uh, ability for a coach to put a player basically through a tryout when they come to visit the campus, 
That has been out the door. No surprise there. I think about 80% of the voters. Now that it's Division Three basketball related, because there is no non-traditional season in Division Three basketball, but football did not get their non-traditional season approved. Mainly, um, they still have practices, but you just can't use pads and helmets and such. Anyway, lots to uh, lots going on at the convention. Certainly was well worth it. As we mentioned, we'll have the Men's Basketball Committee Chair interview that I did with him at the convention coming up here in about 10 days on the show. Uh, we'll also hear from the Women's Basketball Committee Chair at that time as well. We'll have to get some answers to when some things change in Division Three. One of the biggest ones is if they're going to approve the change of when the brackets announce and when teams can start hitting the road. Uh, actually, that may have been approved. Hold on. I my trusty notes here, and they had a whole section of stuff that was basically approved as it was um, without any major issues. Now, this is basically the business session. Nothing of I don't know if it's in here. i got to double-check. We'll look through this again and double-check some things, but... Uh, Put it this way, I do know that Division Three is open to the idea of raising dues. We'll see how that plays out. You know, dues are only $900 a year for a Division Three institution. That hasn't changed in 30 years. That will change in the future as Division Three is more than happy to, to change that. And it may, some have said, maybe, maybe have it get uh, tripled. Still cheaper than your dues to the ECAC, by the way going to take a break when we come back we're going to jump into our interviews and brooklyn men's basketball will be our first if you got questions for us email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com you can join us on twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville you can also join us on facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville when we come back we'll have plenty more hoopsville including brooklyn team out of the atlantic certainly make it headlines you're listening to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com and the national association of basketball coaches more hoopsville right after this College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. 
With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is Sunday, the 18th of January. I know some of you might be tied up in football, but hey, you know, my team's no longer in the game, so I'm not that concerned about it. Um, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. One of the interesting stories going on in the Atlantic region uh, has been in the CUNYAC as one of the teams uh, under a brand new head coach is off to one of its best starts in a very long time. We haven't talked about them in a few years as well. That's the Brooklyn Bulldogs. So we had to go out to the Atlantic region this weekend to talk to their head coach. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Rich McAuliffe. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, certainly, in joining us here on a... Uh, on a Sunday evening. First and foremost, uh, you're the first year head coach, obviously, for this team, uh, who's off to a terrific start. This is the first time a, a first year head coach has gotten 14 wins, tying the program record set by Stanford Connor back in 1934 35. So I guess it's about time we break that record, huh? Wow. I feel like I'm in excellent company. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you guys are off to a terrific start. And maybe you guys were sleeping a little bit under the radar. Not many people thought, you know, you lost to, to William Patterson by seven to start the season. You played your first five on the road. Uh, you beat Stevens, New Jersey City, Manhattanville, and Sage. Um, you got into conference action and beat uh, CCNY and SUNY Old Westbury. Um, I'm sorry, that's not in conference, obviously, Old Westbury there. You beat SUNY Maritime, John Jay, a lot of games on the road. You took your second loss against Staten Island, then took your third loss just the other day against Baruch. But otherwise, you guys seem to be playing really good basketball. All right, we're, we're doing okay. I mean, we started out the season, you know, that, that first game was an, actually an overtime loss to William Patterson at William Patterson. And, um... Yeah, it was it was really kind of an awakening and, and kind of getting to know the guys. Uh, I know they're returning, you know, pretty much everyone from last year, uh, albeit from a twelve and fourteen school uh, uh, record last year. But you know, I'm real happy, you know, with our progress so far, and, and I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, you 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 talk about more work to be done, but right now you lead the uh, Division three in assists and total rebounds ranked third in blocks, fourth in defensive rebounds a game, sixth in free throws, ninth in assists per game. That's all top ten stuff. Um, also, just outside uh, in, in 11th is block shots and 12th in scoring offense. When you're leading that many types of categories, or at least in the national conversation in that many, many categories, you got to be doing something right, no matter who your opponents are. you got to be thrilled with at least the consistency there. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, it, we're we're pleased with where we gotten. Uh, I believe me when I when I when I first took the job, you told me we were going to be fourteen and three. I would say sign me up immediately. You know, um, so yes, we are we are pleased with our consistency on, on how we've been playing. Um, and like I said, I think we can we can do better. Um, 
uh, you know, just tying up a few loose ends. And I think every coach kind of has that uh, uh, that idea with their teams. Um, so I, I, you know, again, like you said, I'm I'm pleased. With it. Sure. Um, you should point out, you know, you you've got some certainly experience on your uh, coaching staff. Uh, one of the things that jumped out to me was that Jeffrey Jean Baptiste, who certainly put Brooklyn on the map just during his coach or his playing career, uh, is been an assistant coach on this squad for a number of years and stayed with you when you came on board. How much is it helpful to have a guy like him who's got the experience of having played at Brooklyn to be able to help you kind of start through this first season? You know, it, it, it's it's a tremendous ass, asset to have, you know, uh, both Ka- uh, Coach Baptiste and Coach Shea, you know, a part of this program. Um, I, I asked them to stay on and and certainly, you know, it, it has helped me with the tradition, uh, the transition, um, uh, in coming back to the college game, and you know, with their expertise and, and knowing, you know, the guys that have been on the team throughout the years, and, and you know, the present guys, it's just a, it's a tremendous asset. Tremendous asset. You played for Brooklyn. We should point out back in the early '80s. Um, when you graduated with the all-time leading scorer with over 1,700 points, that was broken in 2010. Um, you, you've by gone Jeff's, up... by Jeff's brother, by the way. Yes, exactly <laughs> right by Jeff's brother. You're right. Another <laughs> Baptiste. Um, you would you got to see your number retired. You got to be in the Hall of Fame. You certainly have those roots with this um, with this system. Um, you, you then went off to the private sector, you returned to coach, um, and, you know, did, did your turn as it were kind of in the area, but nothing, nothing major. What, what drew you to this job then? Well, when I heard the job was open, um, I said, I I had to give it a shot. You know, I'm a, I'm a Brooklyn guy through and through, you know, born and raised there and, um, and the idea to come back home um, and to and to try to you know try to do what I can with the program and would be a dream for me. And it, you know, every, like every day, I still pinch myself when I get up in the morning and say to myself, "I'm the coach of Brooklyn College," and to me, that's that's uh, yeah, that's the warmest feeling you can have as a human being, a person, and someone that loves this game. You know, and you know, being from you know, the, my roots are right there. So, yeah, I mean, that's the terrific part is is you're getting to be a part of a program that's certain you love well. You have a number of Brooklyn guys, of course, playing on the squad. Though you do have one from Toowoomba, uh, Australia, and Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, so you did go a little bit outside the New York area to pick up a couple yeah. players. Um, but what does it mean to not only be coaching your team as an '85 grad? But to also look at this start to the season and, and be 14-3. and three. They haven't won 14 games since the 2012 season. Um, this team used to be a program that we had, what, three straight 20-win seasons. Uh, four out of five were 19 or better. What's it like to kind of be back and, and, and have this program playing so well now? Uh, uh, believe me, I'm ecstatic. Um, I, I looked at you know what we had. I looked at a lot of film. I looked at a lot of statistics uh, in, in going over everything, you know, before I, you know, before I uh, started the job, you know, when I was accepted. And I thought, you know, there were certain things that we needed to do in order to be successful. 
and the guys have responded. And you know, we, we wanted to build a culture um, that that you know, not just we can be proud of, but you know, the school can be proud of. You know, the community can be proud of of Brooklyn, and and you know, and and create that family environment. You know, that we're all in this thing. You know, for the same common goal. Talking to uh, Coach Rich McAuliffe here of, of Brooklyn, uh, of course, a graduate, as we pointed out, but also um, a new head coach, first year. Team is 14-3 and three overall, 6-2 and two in the CUNYAC. We'll talk about the CUNYAC in a minute. But, Coach, let's talk about your uh, team. Um, you have uh, a semi-young team. You've got uh, four seniors on here, but you've got a number of juniors, uh, handfuls of sophomores. So you're, you're built with a nice look towards the future, especially from the junior class. Um, and one of those juniors is leading the way, and I am going to be absolutely horrible if I try and, and say his name. Um, I don't want to butcher it, so I'm going to let you do the honors. Uh, but he's leading your team with 18.1 points a game, 8.8 rebounds a game. Uh, he's got 37 blocks on the season, which is over nearly, I think that's uh, about two a game. Uh, give us his name so we can talk about him properly, sir. Uh, uh, Exxon Jambalage. Yeah, Exxon Jambalage? Yeah, Exxon uh, Jambalage. Jambalage. Yeah, Jambalage. Yeah, I, I, I had Jambalage trouble pronouncing I think... it too when I first got there. <laughs> I can think of Jambalage because I'll just think about uh, uh, New Orleans and think about Jambalage. That's right. That's right. Um, um, but, I mean, that's that's in, some incredible – and he's also playing 30 minutes a game for you. Yes. Um, and here's a guy who's 6'3", um, with tremendous athletic ability, um, can shoot the three, you know, has tr- – uh, a tremendous vertical leap. Um, you you kind of see this this guy wants to take over. Um, he wants to take charge, and that's what you know you love about him. When he says, "Coach, you know, let's stick with this." You know, you know, you you'll ask them. You know, you, you ask, what what do you feel comfortable with right now? And he'll be like, "You know, let's stick with this." Or let's, hey, you know what? Fine. You know, it's on you, and he takes that responsibility. So you got to love that out of him. And you know he's a he's a consistent player night in and night out, and uh, you gotta love it. And and you know what? It's, what's even more to love is that you have another year. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say being so. a junior. I mean, let's look at his numbers a little more. Again, eighteen point one points a game, eight point eight rebounds a game, three and a half assists a game, two steals a game, two blocks a game. Shoots forty four percent, including thirty four percent from beyond the arc. His only blemish is that he's a sixty five percent free throw shooter. Um, and this is this is the guy leading the way, and then you've got four more in double figures. Uh, Lorenzo Williams at 16 points a game. Yai, uh, Yai uh, Kelman, 15 points a game. Valen Jambalik, I'm hoping I said that right. Yes, Thir- yeah, Valen Jambalik. 13 yeah. points yeah. a game, eight eight rebounds. 11.5 points for uh, Jamel Gist. By the way, 7.5 rebounds for, for Williams as well. That's a lot of, of, of offensive potential. Though I do notice it drops off steeply after that. Well, I mean, no, those are the starting five. You know, those are the guys that are that are getting uh, a lot of minutes, and yet, you know, we do have a deep bench. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things we wanted to institute right away is is a run and gun style offense. Um, we're averaging around eighty four points a game. So, I mean, we we do spread the wealth there, and you know, offensively. What we do well, and I think uh, is kind of our staple, is when we share the ball, we're pretty tough to guard because we have a lot of, it's not just one or two players that can score. You know, we, 
we have a, you know legitimately five guys that can that can score in that starting lineup. So that that's real important to us. And and when someone goes down, someone picks up the slack. So uh, that it's been it's been great. Talking to uh, Rich McAuliffe here of, of of Brooklyn, and again, coach team playing pretty darn good basketball. As we pointed out, there are certainly lots of contributors, but. Love to get your take a little bit on the CUNYAC, where you guys are six and two so far. Baruch uh, is leading the way at eight and 12 and three. Mark, I have a feeling in a couple weeks we'll be talking about them as well. Staten Island's tied with you in the conference at six and two and ten and five. Layman is right behind you at five and three, ten and seven. I joked with a school who uh, played a bunch of CUNYACs this season that they were doing the CUNYAC Invitational Special um, by playing so many teams, and the CUNYAC doesn't normally have a lot of Good teams. Right now, you got four over 500. Um, they're all at the top of the conference. You and Brooke, again, leading the way. What's your take on this conference eight games into your first year coaching? I mean, it, it's balanced. Uh, I mean, Baruch, right now at 8 0, we just played them last Saturday, you know, albeit you know, a few players uh, through injury. You know, John Alisi does a great job with them. Um, they're very well coached. Um, they, they they do all the right things, and you know they're another team that's going to hurt you. You know if if you know if, if you make mistakes, you know they they capitalize on your mistakes, and um, you know that's the reason why they're eight zero. And they're and again they're deep. They're they're a good ball club. Good ball club. Um, so when you go through the conference, I mean Tony Petoza at CSI. You know they're six and two. We came out of the gate. Um, you know after the break, we lost to them at their place by four. Um, they did a hell of a job against us. Um, you know Fonseca is uh, is averaging probably I think probably the CUNY leader is uh, at just under twenty five points a game. Uh, Shatino, their point guard, is uh, I think he's averaging around seventeen. And the kid Delahante, the big uh, big uh, center, hurt us. So you know they're they're well balanced. Um, I I understand they've added uh, someone a transfer from Dowling, so they're going to be even tougher going down the stretch. Um, you know I can go right through the through the conference of, of what these teams have. Um, so you, you let me know if you want me to share my views on it. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty well balanced. I mean you got five teams that are that are, that I think are really strong, and then you got other teams that are strong. And, and not necessarily weak by any by any stretch of the imagination. I was going to say you got CCNY coming up, and then John Jay CCNY on the road uh, coming up on what was that Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday, yep, yeah. Friday then at home against John Jay. You then get five days off. You'll take on Lehman on the road, and then Staten Island at home to round out just the January schedule. You got four more games in conference. After <laughs> that, what's the what's the message to the team as you guys continue to play so well? Um, and certainly have a, a chance to have a magical season. This is the well, kind of point in the time where the, se- the team starts to know that and maybe let it get to themselves a little bit. So, what's the message to the team? Well, well, right now the message is we're trying to we're trying to muddle through the valley. Um, you know, as you know, you know, a season uh, is com- is combined of peaks and valleys. Uh, we've had some injuries. Uh, we played the Baruch game with three of our top seven guys out. Um, and then after that, we, we lost our big kid uh, to an ankle injury, uh, Vaughn Jambalaj. Uh, we've gotten the other kids back, and as they heal and get more minutes, you know, we're trying to get through these next you know, couple of weeks 
so that we can make a run, you know, uh, you know, towards the end of the season and into the CUNY playoffs. So we're just trying to muddle through and, and, and stay, stay the course, stay strong, and, and try to get healthy and, and, and try to focus on what we need to do to get better. And uh, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, um, um, you know, with the team that, you know, we, we speak about, you know, we need to get better uh, defensively. We need to make bigger stops. We need to make better plays uh, down the end of the game. And if, if we can do that, you know, uh, you know, look, anything can happen, but, you know, we, we could be in good shape. So uh, that's kind of the message that we're, we're sending our guys now. You know, we played a tough game on Saturday against mm-hmm. Keystone who had just won the last three out of four. I think yeah. they, they got a player in. You know, we could have did a couple of things down the stretch that were better, um, but we responded when we were down three with uh, with just over 37 seconds to go. So, you know, we came back and we won that game. So it's those type of things that if we can get better at and pay more attention to detail, that, you know, that can make us a better ball club down the road. Well, I certainly appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking about the Bulldogs, your alma mater, and your first year. This team is certainly uh, worth the attention. I know we just did a story on them on D3Hoops.com as well, and uh, appreciate you taking the time. As always, we though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts uh, you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank everybody that's supporting us, you know, at Brooklyn. Um, you know, so far it's been it's been a great run. We want to keep that run going. Um, you know, to the fans at Brooklyn College, the students, and and uh, and and, uh, and administration. You know, and I want to thank them for the opportunity to be part of Brooklyn College once again. And I hope we, you know, we're able to uh, make them proud of what we're we're doing at Brooklyn. And uh, and and we just hope this isn't a flash in the pan. We just continue to do what we're uh, we're doing and make it a quality program. And and. and and be part of a conference that we're proud of. Well, congratulations yet again. I'm sure you guys will do well the rest of the way. We'll keep an eye on the Bulldogs. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Dave, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I wish you all the best. And I'm, I'm going to be tuning in. And, and uh, I hope you don't forget about us down the road. And <laughs> we, we, we look forward to, to being on your, your show once again. Absolutely, Coach. We'll keep you guys in mind for sure. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Rich McCullough joining us here on Hoopsville. Again, the team is 14 and 3 overall. They are uh, 6 and 2 in conference play uh, behind Baruch. We'll certainly keep an eye on Baruch as well. Staten Island right there as well. Remember, Staten Island just missed out on the NCAA tournament last year. Um, Well, I say that, I I could be darn wrong with that, couldn't I? Couldn't I? Um, Let's double check if I'm not losing my mind on that one. No, York and New York won the conference. Last year, if you remember, York and New York uh, won the conference in thrilling fashion. The conference championship game got the automatic bid. They are 9-7 and seven in the conference. Seemingly struggling, but certainly still uh, a threat, as it were. When we come back, we're going to jump out to the Midwest, the central region, you should say. Talk to another team that has come up uh, maybe a little unexpected this season. Elmer's men's basketball. Coach John Baines has a good squad on his hands. and We'll get his take on how they are playing Coming up here on the show, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. 
uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division Three school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division Three in athletics, you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. It is uh, our Sunday edition here on the 18th. Of course, back live in studio after the pre-taping last week to be at the NCAA convention. A couple notes. We will have some uh, live special shows coming up here, or special shows, I should say, coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, in about 10 days' time, we'll do our marathon show. On Super Bowl Sunday, we never go live. <laughs> We're not going to compete with the Super Bowl, so we'll have an earlier show put together on that day. Also, don't forget, coming up, uh, we have other um, shows, obviously, regarding uh, the end of the season that will be special as well, special times, etc. So stay with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, or Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, of course, via email, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Um, one of the other stories that has certainly captured the attention, and especially in the central region, would be the Elmhurst Blue Jays, who have, I would say, seemingly come out of nowhere, but certainly that is not necessarily the case in the CCIW. But they're on top, and maybe not everybody expected them to be battling. Even though they've only uh, won two of their last four, they are 13-3 and overall. They are 3-2 and in conference. Beat North Central to hand North Central its second straight loss. Nearly beat Augustana uh, not that long ago. Uh, despite Carthage tripping them up this week, they've got North Park, Illinois, Wesley, and Augustana Milliken to round out the month, so we better talk to them, don't you think? So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, John Baines. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time to do it. 
Listen, you guys roar off to a 6-0 and start before tripping up to Albion. Um, but that was your only loss um, in, in 2014's part of the schedule. You started the season 11-1 and before Augustana tripped you. Um, what's been the secret so far this year for the Blue Jays? Uh, I think we had just a lot of guys return. Uh, you know, we we played a, a quite a bit, of, quite a few sophomores last year, and the freshmen in our in a rotation. And uh, you know, I think for me, it was our my second year with our coaching staff uh, together. So I think the familiarity of uh, coming back and then just bringing a bunch of guys that turned from sophomores into juniors. That's a big difference. So I think uh, we got off to a good start, and everybody got a little confidence, and uh, and uh, you know caught a couple breaks here and there, and uh, and and got off to a good non-conference season. When you look at the start you guys have, which has kind of pulled you into number twenty-two in the top twenty-five, and I should point out that 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 move into the top twenty-five came despite the loss uh, to <laughs> to Augustana. Uh, I think everybody saw that and went, "Wow, you're you're toe for toe with the new number one team in the country." Um, what, what's the buzz been like on campus? What's the buzz been like in the athletics department? Yeah, it's been good. I was, I was laughing at that. I said, we were running off wins and we couldn't get a sniff and then we lose and we got in. So I said, I, I, a bad loss, I guess, gets you in. But, uh, um, no, I think everybody's really happy. I think more than, more than the wins and losses, there's a really a lot of energy around their team. Um, again, you know, we're, we've got uh, two seniors on this team, and uh, we play a lot of juniors. So I think more than anything, I think we feel like uh, we've got it going right now. We've it's going to be rolling here in the future, and you know, with some recruiting classes, I think it's what you want, want in our league, where you have the Wheatons and the Augies and the Wesleyans that uh, they never really seem to go away. They just <laughs> keep on getting better every year, and, and I think that's what we're trying to do here too. Um, yeah, you talk about the two seniors. I think maybe that's what everybody expected. I think they saw this team as one that might peak next year uh, in some in some cases uh, if you look at the roster. But, you know, it is the underclassmen certainly helping lead the way in a junior in Kyle West who's doing that at 15.8 points a game. Uh, Eric Critterton, 11.4 points a game. And, of course, Critterton um, is uh, – Sorry, blanking. Uh, played 15 games this season, um, yep. and has certainly been a, a certain a catalyst. Is what the, I guess the word I'm looking for uh, at the forward position. Also, though, a junior, um, and then you're also getting 9.8 points a game out of. Uh, um, uh, there it is, Brian Ackerman. Sorry, I'm trying to yeah. read the stats, yep. and it's just my eyes are failing me <laughs> no miserably. And I even zoomed in, no uh, but Ackerman. Uh, certainly making his presence known, and uh, that guy's a junior too. I mean, that's, I think, the yeah. point here. Junior, 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 yeah. and you've got two seniors on the squad who aren't necessarily jumping up on the stat sheet. Right. It, uh, you know, it, I said this to our coaches as we were leaving the North Central game. I said, you know, we've played 16 games now, and we've had six guys lead us in scoring, five guys lead us in rebounding, and six guys lead us in assists. So um, Kyle has really stepped to the forefront. He's, he's, he's re- I think in conference in our five games, he's averaging close to 20 a game. He's really uh, taken the next step in his game as far as being a scorer and a leader for us. And then we've just got a whole bunch of really good, solid players that are playing really hard. And sometimes I don't know which one's really going to show, you know, but, uh, or which one we're playing down the stretch. But um, they've been really selfless. 
and they don't, you know, they just kind of understand that who's doing the job is the guy that's going to get it. And we've had a lot of people chipping in. Um, Eric Crittenden uh, was playing JV last year about December uh, and just really got better and then worked on his game over the summer. Um, Brian Ackerman actually was our leading scorer in non-conference, but then struggled in conference and was only playing about 10 minutes a game for us down the stretch. And he went home over the summer and worked on his game. And that was kind of the theme for a lot of our guys. They just went, they just went and got better. And uh, I think that's the showing. Um, you know, you're in your second year at Elmhurst. You're absolutely um, no stranger to Elmhurst, having been an assistant coach there for as many years <laughs> as you were before you went on to, to coach in the Chicagoland uh, Collegiate Athletic Conference um, for St. Francis. This, it, what's it like to be back not only as the head coach of this program that you certainly know so well, um, and also having played at Illinois Wesleyan, you know it even better, but what's it like to be able to give this program the success it is having in just your second year? You know, that was, I mean, you always, that was why you take the job, you know. I, I When we had that run at Elmhurst when I was an assistant and we were in the top ten and uh, for, for a year, about three years stretch, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of energy and the players were getting a lot out of our program. And and uh, I'm just, that was really the thing. You, I, you know, maybe it's come a little sooner than expected, but um, I'm just glad that we're back in the hunt. I, I said that was the goal for this year for us was, uh, we wanted to put ourselves back on the map, and we wanted to play with the elite teams in our league. Because in our league, if you're one of the top teams there, you're going to be one of the top teams in the nation. So I said, you know, there's that's the bar for us. And when we can start competing night and night out with the with those teams, uh, then then we'll be where we need to be. And, and we just got to keep on working at that. What's interesting is you know you look at the the results of this team. Um, last year was the first winning season since the 2009 season. I think a lot of people kind of were missed the Blue Jays, as it were, as a competitive team in the in the CCIW. Guys got six wins last year, middle of the pack. This year again, 13 and three. You're three and two in the middle of the pack with a lot to play. But again, you beat North Central yesterday. Uh, Carthage may have tripped you up, but you nearly tripped up Augustana in what you call a bad loss. I think anybody else in the world will call that a good loss. Um, you do have North Park ahead of you um, coming up on Wednesday on the road. You're then home against your alma mater, Illinois Wesleyan, on Saturday before being home mm-hmm. against Augustana, before being home against Milliken. How important is it not only to to maybe get on a run here with North Park and, and, and then get on a run at home with the likes of the Titans, the Aggies, or the Aggies and, and, and the like coming to your place? Sure. You know, I think even before the season started, I think we saw that little stretch of home games for us. We just said that that was going to be kind of the the time for us, you know, and uh, I think I more than anything, I'm, I even said something after the North Central game to our players, you know, this uh, this North Park game for us coming up, we, we kind of learned our lesson, I hope, against Carthage, and we can't get tripped up here. Uh, we got to get that win. We've got to go there. You know, it's at their place because that puts us in a position where we have three home games in a row, and you and you get a chance to, you get to, you know, put yourself in the thick of it. If you know, and that that's the best opportunity we'll get. And so, um, 
you know, I'm just really hoping that Wednesday when we go to North Park, we can we can take care of our business and and uh, play a good game because they've played a lot of close games. I mean, their record isn't good in our league, but they every game they've played is six points, four points, you know, ten points to Wesleyan the other night. So uh, that'll be a tough one for us. You also have already gotten that game against Augustana on the road out of the way. Mm-hmm. You don't have to return to practically Iowa to play that game. Um, (laughs) You know, you certainly will have to go on the road against Illinois Wesleyan, but you've gotten North Central on the road out of the way already. So you've gotten some of the toughest tests off out of the way before you go into the rest of this season. That's got to be a bellwether as well. Yeah, I guess you could say you get some of the tough tests out of the way, but they're all tough, you know. I, I uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Play. I don't think I want to tell Gray that you coming to our place isn't going to be very tough. So I think uh, those games coming up, all of them are tough. You know, I think our league is really balanced this year. I think Augustana is is uh, obviously playing really well, but we've got a lot of talented teams in the league as, as usual. But um, it's really uh, there's in the bottom um, of the league is still very good. And so uh, I don't think – I think there's going to be some upsets here and there. So I think there's a lot to play for here. This Is this a conference that can that can get multiple bids, or is it to a point – I mean, you're, you're in the central region, which now includes the WIAC, but are you also in a scenario here where you guys have so many good teams this year? Maybe nobody's stellar. Uh, Augustana right. may be stellar. But you've got Augustana, you've got Illinois Wesleyan, you've got North Central, Wheaton is lurking, you've got yourselves. Um, is this maybe one of those years where that second bid is is maybe the most you can get out of this conference and you're even hoping you can get that? I'm, I would be really disappointed if we didn't get the, get a three, three in. I really do. I know that that's, sometimes people are like, that's a stretch, but... And we've got we've got uh, you know Wheaton has struggled, but you know they started the year in the in the top twenty five, and and now we have you know Wesleyan has been in there. We've got four teams there that are right there in the top, and I, I know that sometimes we start beating up on each other, and we've got the Wisconsin League in there, and you have the St. Norberts and the Washus. Uh, you know, in my mind, I, I think. Uh, if we can get over uh, some of the, the East Coast teams getting in or getting upset, uh, I just think that uh, you should just be taking the teams from the Central Region. If they're the best teams in the nation, you should take them and put them in the tournament. You, and so, you just want everybody from the Central Region? We'll just put. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, we all have to play each other in the tournament anyway, so yeah, it doesn't make any I mean, difference. So, um, talking to John Baines here, wrapping things up with him and coach. One other thought I had was, you know, you look again at this conference, Augustana's got a one game lead in the conference. You guys are only two games back a game behind Illinois Wesleyan with North central and Carthage, all three and two. Then it's Wheaton, Milliken and North park. But what catches me is Carthage is seven and eight below 500. Wheaton is eight and eight Milliken six and 10, but North parks nine and seven. (laughs) Most of this conference is above 500. It's been a while since that's right. happened. Um, you know, even looking back at last year, while certainly there were a lot of teams above 500, you had Milliken and North Park really struggling. Right. right. Is this a new sign of the CCIW? Because usually there's a top half and a bottom half, at least in the right. last five, ten years. Now we seem to have a top two thirds. Right. It. Uh... You know, Tom has done a great job at North Park of getting that team. They're, they're, this is the best team they've had in 10 years there. 
Um, you know, Matt Nadelhofer is a very good coach, and what he inherited four years ago uh, was really a difficult situation. He's really brought the talent level up. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you noticed because I tell people a lot, the bottom of our league is, is very good now. And, uh, um, you know, and where I think, you know, sometimes what gets lost is, okay, well, how does your best team do in the tournament? And that judges your league. Um, I think that's all fine and good, but you know, sometimes in the, in the NCAA tournament, it's one game, you know, and so you can easily lose one of those and, and it doesn't show for your league. You know, for me, it's like you said, top to bottom, when we go out and on conference, how are we playing? And, uh, I think even the teams at the bottom half of our league are, are very good. And so uh, we've got a really strong league. I, I always say, I feel like it's the best, you know, I know Wisconsin league will always uh, chime in there, but, uh, um, it's one of the best. I know that. And, uh, and if you're any good in it, then that means you're really good across the nation. Well put coach. Appreciate you taking the time to join us again, the team 13 and three overall three and two in the CCIW as always though, we give the coach the final word, any final thoughts you want to say to those who may be watching? Oh, no, I, I really want to thank you for all you do with the D three stuff because it, uh, you know, you really put it on the map and it's amazing how many recruits we come by now that, uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when I started this, it was, uh, they didn't know anything about us. And now they're, they're following us online. They're finding the scores and all that. Uh, I can't thank you enough for putting us on the map. Well, thank you coach for helping us do it. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Good luck the rest of the way. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. All right. Thanks Dave. I appreciate it. No problem. Coach John Baines again, joining us here on Hoopsville and the Hoopsville hotline. Team, as we mentioned, 13-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in the CCIW, on the road against North Park coming up on Wednesday before a really key three-game stretch at home to wrap things up. Illinois Wesleyan, Augustana, Milliken coming up uh, on the docket, as it were, some big games for the Elmer's Blue Jays, and we appreciate Coach Baines joining us on the show. When we come back, we're going to switch gears, talk women's basketball, talk to a team who knocked off Amherst, just not at home. So Amherst's home winning streak is still alive. But the Tufts Jumbos have put their foot down in the NESCAC in women's basketball action. We'll talk to their women's head coach, Caller Barubi. Talk to another team who had to battle more than just their opponents, Maryville. And Coach Trevelyan will be joining us on the show to talk about how they have had to battle off the flu and how that has affected the team so far this season, including games uh, last week. We'll talk to him, and he's recovered from the flu as well. We still have the interview with Coach John Zeke. Still call him Coach. Former Cabrini head coach, been the Piedmont Athletics Director for 10 years, and he's as he promised, he's retiring. I talked to him at the NCAA convention. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com and, and the National Association of Basketball Coaches, will be back uh, in just a minute with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. 
I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division 3 allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division 3 school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division 3 in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, we don't have Carl, Carla Barubi just yet. We're working on getting her here momentarily. Just bear with us. Uh, again, jump, tough jumbos coming up here on the show if you're tuned in for that. In the meantime, if you have any questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also IM us, or IM us, that's the old way. Uh, you can on, join us on Twitter at d3hoops or hashtag hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville, that's all coming up here, uh, or how you can interact with us. We certainly would appreciate it if you did, because it certainly makes a more interesting show. By the way, at the bottom of the uh, Hoopsville page, of the specific show page, there's a chat uh, area. Uh, you can leave comments, or you can do it right there on the YouTube page as well. Anything you uh, have for us, we would love to hear from you, and hopefully we'll have Coach Baruby up here on the show here momentarily i do know her beloved patriots are playing to be honest with you i don't know what's going on because uh i'm just on the computer we'll check it out here uh right now and the patriots are leading um of course it's still late in the second quarter so she's probably tied up with the game but hopefully we'll hear from her um momentarily oh i think we found her let's see um we'll try it uh on the fly as it were everybody so just bear with us again tufts having a pretty darn good season um the biggest key about it, huh, the biggest key, of course, to the uh, tough season has been the fact that uh, they are 14-1, but with a big win over Amherst. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, we certainly hope, is Coach Carla Baruby. Coach, is that you? It is. Yeah, Hi, we, Dave. How are you? I, I'm well. We did it on the fly, so I appreciate you <laughs> joining me. I, I also looked at my email and went, I don't have a phone number to call. Uh. Number ninth ranked Tufts Jumbos, we should point out. Um, of course, that'll climb with the win over Amherst. And by the way, it was emphatic. 65-42, and then responded against Trinity 70-46. What was the secret against Amherst? Um, we, we played well. Um, we, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um, we started off a little slow and then uh, just caught caught fire um, midway through the the first half and um, kind of just sustained that that energy and, and aggressiveness and um, and yeah made made some shots made some some great um, great hustle plays defensively and um, just just kept building. Um, I wasn't expecting that that outcome um, that that final margin, but. Um, but the team, the team played well and really, um, you know, came into the game fired up, and um, it was a great crowd in, in Cousins Gym, and um, uh, just a just a great atmosphere. The disadvantage was that game was not at their place, uh, where they've won a hundred right. some odd games in a row, and certainly you guys have had your challenges against them at their place uh, over the years. But uh, the advantage was last year in the conference championship, you were able to stay at home. Um, because of, of your abilities uh, earlier in the season against uh, Amherst, also at home. It's kind of interesting you got that home game once again, but that's key right now if you can take care of home court advantage. Yeah, that's that's a that's a, a huge goal of ours. Um, we'd like the, the NESCAC um, championship to, to come, come through Cousins Gym. Um, I'm sure every team feels that way, that you feel much more comfortable um, on your own court, and, um, and we call them the, the cousins crazies that, that really that get after it during our games. And um, yeah, we absolutely don't want to go play it at uh, Lafrac. Um, it's a tough place to play, and um, so if we can we can get that NESCAC championship um, tournament coming through 
um, you know, our, our court, that's, you know, that's to our advantage. Last year, the you, the season was pretty stellar. One loss in the regular season. Um, you marched, and it was to Babson, of course, a good Babson squad. You then ma- marched your way right into the NCAA tournament, got to the championship weekend at Stevens Point before you ran into the eventual champs in the semifinals after you floor them in a very low-scoring affair, just lost 42-39, and then had to somehow get back up to play Whitewater uh, in the consolation game and unfortunately lost that one by 18. How much has the end of last season been kind of fueling you guys so far this year? Yeah, I think it has definitely fueled our fueled our fire. Um, we want to get back. We want to get back to the final four. Um, it's it's a, a goal that you know we um, established early on in the season, and um, but we're taking it one game at a time. Um, very cliched, but but we have to, and um, we're just going to attack every game that that's in front of us and um and and there's no slouches in in our next um few weeks of the of the regular season um the NESCAC is is tough again um there are only two teams that have um losing records the rest are um you know even those two two teams of losing records are, are tough and, and it's competitive and um so we're um we're working hard every day um that's that's what I ask of of my team and um you know, we've got a, a big week ahead of us. I was going to say, you'll jump out of conference for Emmanuel. You'll then b- jump back into conference uh, against a Bates squad who's at the bottom of the conference but with a winning record at 9-7, and 0-3 and in conference play. You'll then play Connecticut College, who's 12-3, and 2-1 and in conference action. Then take on Wesleyan to round out the month. Uh, Wesleyan might be at the bottom, but they're just 6-8, and 0-3 in conference action. Uh, you talk about how important it is. The other key about that is three of those four are on the road, with uh, Emmanuel being a Wednesday game, Bates being Saturday, and then the Friday-Saturday matchup of Connecticut College and Wesleyan. How important is it to at least be road warriors here? How how much do you have to get them focused a little bit uh, before you play at least the last three of, of five at home? Yeah, I mean, it, great teams have to have to play well on the road. Um and and yeah, those are those are tough. Um, you know, on the road, you know, staying overnight in a hotel, back to back. But you've, you know, it's it's a toughness, and um, we have to we have to bring it. Um, you know, we're a pretty experienced team with a lot of upperclassmen. You know, garnering a lot of minutes, so they understand um, what those weekends are like, and um, and and what it's like to to play in. Um, you know, the away gyms and foreign gyms and um, yeah, just how how you have to bring the energy, um, you know, no matter where you are. What's interesting is you guys, again, NESCAC only gives about two weeks of preseason, but you and Williams went off on a roar. In November, you played five games. Um, before you took your break on December, 9th, on December 9th, you had already played eight games. You then took a break. Uh, and went to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and, and lost to Scranton, but then rebounded against Baldwin. But what you know, not a lot of games after you played that stretch of five. What was the mentality, especially when you guys start so late uh, with the preseason? And I say so late compared to everybody else. In my mm-hmm. argument, two and a half, three weeks of preseason isn't a bad thing. It kind of equals what everybody else does. But what was you know, if, you know, you got as I said. Um, five games there in the opening stretch, right there in the month of November. Yeah, I mean, you just you just got to be ready. Um, we spent a lot of time on our on our defense in those two and a half weeks, and make sure that that's that's solid and strong. And um, you know, hopefully, as 
as you know as the season progresses, the offense gets better and better as the chemistry develops. And um, yeah, it, it, it was a tough stretch. We we opened up at uh, up at UNE, um, who you know it, our game with them last last year mm-hmm. went to a buzzer beater, and then up there this this year was a, a tight contest as well. And um, you know we've 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 had a tough you know. Um, pre-early season, um, you know, I think we have one of the strongest strengths of, of schedule um, in the country, and, mm-hmm. you know, I want us I want us playing, you know, the, the toughest teams, and that's why in Puerto Rico we're playing, you know, Scranton, and we're playing a, a tough Baldwin-Wallace team and um, to get us really um, prepared for, for the NASCAC. Um, you, you, the loss to Scranton, again, you guys hadn't played in nearly – um, 20 days. It had been December 9th to December 28th. Um, again, you're in beautiful, sunny Puerto Rico, which I suspect threw everybody off. They're used to the cold winters in in, in, <laughs> in New England. I don't think they were ready for nice, lovely, sunny weather on the beach. Uh, um, but what did happen in that game against Scranton? Was it was it a matter of rust? Um, if you watched us, it looked like we hadn't played for about 100 days. Uh, just... <laughs> Yeah, um, you give a lot of credit to, to Scranton. That's a that's a that's a tough team and an experienced team, and and um, they brought it and they took it they took it to us. And um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't our best game, um, but but you know we learned from it and and bounced back um, against Paul and Wallace. And and I think just just being out in, in Puerto Rico um, and and having that that time together and and um, you know. Working on our chemistry and, and just being together was um, was invaluable. So um, yeah, a loss came with it, but um, you know I think I think we got a lot stronger from it. Uh, if you need me to help with any chemistry with uh, with sunny beaches, <laughs> I'm happy to come. Um, okay. Vegas is nice, but beaches are nicer. Um, yeah. Granted, same same group running that program as they're running the one I'm at. Uh, let's talk about your team. You got a mix of players here, but three seniors leading the way of your four scores. Uh, Haley Canner, 13.5 points a game. Michelle North, your sophomore, 12 points a game. Uh, Hannah Foley, the senior, 11 points a game. Kelsey Moore had the senior, 6.5 points a game. Then another junior in Amber Robertson uh, at 5.5 points a game. Of course, leading rebounder is North at 8.5. Canner's pulling down 6 rebounds plus. Foley, 5.5 rebounds. Got a nice variety there, but certainly senior-led. This seems like a perfect year to rebound from what you guys had uh went through last year yeah absolutely and um they're doing a great job um actually kelsey's been out with a with an injury for a couple of weeks but but her leadership um has been has been awesome and, and she'll be back soon um yeah Haley and hannah um just they've been they've been awesome as well and on both ends of the floor um Haley just scored her thousand point over the weekend which was um which was fun to see um during our alumni weekend um so that was that was a lot of fun um yeah and Michaela North who's a, a sophomore now um led us in scoring at the the final four last year so um, she's got a, she's got great experience um, as well as Emma. So um, yeah, we've got some great experience, but but we've also got a couple of newcomers that have put in some some good minutes as well. With um, Lauren Dillon at the at the point with as Kelsey's been out, um, so it's a it's, it's a good mix. And um, you know the the team has been been working really hard from one through fifteen of of us, and um, that's what's that's what's really important is those. Those players towards the end of the bench that um, give their all-out effort um, day in and day out that that make us um, 
make us better. Uh, wrapping things up here with Car Carla Barubi, uh, head coach at Tufts. I'm trying to keep her away from the Patriots game as much as I <laughs> possibly can. Uh, I'm really, I, I hate to say it, they just threw a, an interception return for a touchdown. Now, if you, really? want, if you want to believe me, you can go right ahead. Um, yeah, I'm but not, you know I'm not I have ulterior right motives now. here. <laughs> you pulled me away from the you pulled me away from the TV, so I'm you know, I'm getting a little antsy over here. I, I am keeping an eye on it. Don't worry, nothing major has happened as of yet. Okay. Um, again, what I did one last thing before I let you go is I didn't you know obviously the the NESCAC schedule is what it is because you play a lot of weekend stuff. But you mixed in a couple non-conference games. First off, I'm impressed you could get some non-conference opponents at this point in the season. But you do have a manual coming up on the 21st. Then February 3rd, you've got Rhode Island College. Does that make it harder to go in and out of conference play, or is every game kind of equal if, if you get my drift? Yeah, we we count every game as, as equals. And, um, and those are two good, you know, NCAA teams. Um, you know, we have a lot around this area, so it's great to be able to, to schedule those, those two games. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough if you're playing Saturday and you don't play again to the, to the next Friday. Um, it's great to get a midweek game in there and, um, you know, get better and work on, you know, work on your game. And, um, so we, we enjoy those, those midweek games, um, so and, and it's nice that that Emmanuel's close by here yeah. near Boston. So um, we're not doing too much too much travel. Sure. Uh, quickly though, this conference only two teams under five hundred right now, and that's Trinity, Connecticut, five and ten, and Wesleyan at six and eight. Everybody's nine and seven or better with uh, six teams with seven teams with ten wins or more. Bowden is four and zero. Oh. Now Amherst now three and one. Connecticut College two and one. Williams is two and two. Colby two and two. Middlebury two and two. This this looks like maybe more of a dogfight of a conference this year than we're than we're remembering. Usually it's a bunch, a couple of top teams and then everybody else. Now it looks like it's really a a, a collection of good teams. Oh, absolutely. Um, so there are some very good teams in the in the league this year um, that have been beating up on some non conference opponents and now you know kind of beating beating each other. Um, but but Bowdoin is very very strong. Um, and and Williams is strong again, and, and of course, of course Amherst. But but those teams that are sort of in the middle of the, the pack, usually your Colby and your your Hamilton and your Con College, they're playing very good basketball uh, right now. So it's going to be an exciting uh, road ahead, and uh, you know we're we're really looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, especially away from your beloved Patriots, uh, <laughs> to chat, chat about your jumbos. Um, want to wish you guys certainly a lot of luck uh, as uh, the season progresses. Again, you got the big game against Emmanuel out of conference, but then Bates, Connecticut College, and Wesleyan, at least Amherst, is in your rearview mirror, as it mm -hmm. were, after the win there. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I'd like to give a shout-out to our men's team. that had a great weekend. Um, beating uh, Amherst in Lefrac and yeah. um, and then Trinity the next day. So um, exciting times in, in Medford. Yes, I was going to say, the Tufts Jumbos are certainly get to stealing all the headlines in the NESCAC. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. I also heard a great saying in the NESCAC, the ABMW League. You guys are not part of that. You're the uh, T, and so it's nice to see the Tufts yeah. Jumbos uh, marching along as well. Absolutely. Take care, Coach. Good luck, and we'll great. talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Carla Barubi joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate her taking the time to join us. Um, and now she'll run back to catch the last 16-some-odd seconds of the uh, first half of the AFC Championship game. Again, the Tufts is 
14-1 overall, 3-0 in conference. Action Emmanuel coming up with Bates, Connecticut College, and Wesleyan to round out their January part of their schedule. Going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, talk to women's basketball coach Darren Trevelyan out of Maryville and see if he's fully recovered from the flu as with his team. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. As we said, coming up next, Maryville women's basketball coach Darren Trevelyan will join us. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're in the middle of talking a little bit of women's basketball. Just got done talking to Tufts. The women's basketball team getting their win over Amherst at home. Played Amherst at home the last three times. That's certainly been significant for the Jumbos as they beat Amherst on all three of those occasions. Um, last time they lost to them was at Lafrac, which everybody has in the last 100-plus games. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Speaking of the women's basketball, we want to keep talking about them, and we bring in the number 22 team in the country, the Maryville Scots. And joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is their head coach, who uh, uh, probably is is just glad that he's not lying in bed. And and, and uh, Coach Darren Trevelyan joins us. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Oh, hold on. Now we'll try it again. Welcome to Hoopsville, sir. How are you? I am fine. The question is, how are you? Uh, I'm the man. Probably not the most beautiful voice in the world at this point, but uh, definitely much improved from a week ago. 
I believe they call that the, the a, a, a radio voice. So uh, enjoy <laughs> it while you've got it. Yeah, I mean, talk about a go. challenge. You, you know, most teams have to take on uh, their opponent. Most teams have to deal with their coaching staff. You know, you got to deal with travel. You got to, you guys, and, and it's not uncommon around the country to deal with sicknesses, but the entire team, the entire campus, everybody got stricken with the flu, um, including yourself, including your sports information director. Name a person they were probably sick with it. I'd be surprised if the offices were open at any given point in the last week or two. What's it been like to have to tackle that big beast on top of everything else? Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely been a unique experience. Um, you know, we we had a game with Swanee um, the Tuesday before everyone started falling ill, and we were in the we were in a locker room afterwards, and there was sort of this feeling where the girls were talking about, "Man, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I'm this." I'm, and you know, from the coaching side, you're like, "Well, you got to pick it up. Yeah, we're in season on. and all that." Yeah, well, then the next morning, we get our first phone call from from one of our freshman starters who. Came down with the flu. She she had, she went in for the test. You know she she was positive. So then the next morning, Thursday, we're getting ready to head out for our weekend trip to Greensboro Methodist. And I had two more kids who went to the walk-in clinic. Well, then I took a kid to the walk-in clinic. As I was sitting there waiting on her, I start breaking out in a sweat. So I realized I'm sick. My assistant coach called me. And she said, "Well, I just uh, I just tested positive for the flu too. So I mean, it, it, yeah, it went through the whole team. So at that point, you shut everything down, and you just tell everybody who can go home. You know, go to mom and dad, get away from each other, and uh, we're all going to try to do the same thing. And so we, you know, obviously the the challenges then of, of of working with the conference and working with the other coaches and saying that it's it's just not going to happen. In the meantime, our, our men's team was hit with it as well. So you know, the, the Knoxville area." Um, the CDC declared it an epidemic state in the Knoxville area. So, I mean, it hit, it hit everybody. And so, in good faith, you, you can't get on a bus and take this with you to two other campuses and, and that kind of thing. So, it was, yeah, it was definitely insane. And so, we got back together Monday, and a few people still could barely walk through. I mean, it, it's, it's been a unique challenge, no doubt about it. Now, myself included, a couple of us are now dealing with some kind of a secondary infection caused by the flu and so we're also on med but it's yeah it's been crazy it's been crazy unbelievable um i think i now understand why we couldn't get you on the show last sunday uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, it's what what's what's most surprising and, and not you know certainly nothing surprising i guess in this case but what's so surprising is the timing i mean it came roaring through you guys and, and at least the conference has taken those efforts to say, whoa, you know, this isn't going to be fair if you're traveling. You certainly don't want to get other conference members sick. But what's been the reaction from the coaching staffs that you've had to talk to about all this? Nobody wants to shake hands. Uh, it's an awkward thing. <laughs> that was awkward my next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah nobody, nobody wants to shake anywhere. All of, all of a sudden, everybody's really cool with the fist bump thing and, and all that. And, and actually, the, the first game, I'm, and the funny thing is I'm actually not kidding about it. The, the first game back, as, uh, as kids were coming over to, to shake hands before tip-off, I said, I, I want to wish you all the luck in the world, but I don't want to touch you because you don't want what I've had. Um, so, you know, most people are just shaking their heads saying, I, I, I don't get it. And, like you know, our men's team was hit with nine different confirmed cases of the flu. Wow. Um, so it, it, you talked about Coach Etchison, our sports information director. I mean, it's been it's been crazy. Um, so yeah, so the reaction has been it's good to see you. Hope you're better, but I'm not going to touch you. 
I, I don't know if they were or weren't at the convention. I did not see anybody with a Maryville um, a placard. Uh, that being said, there's thousands of people at the convention. It's not conceivable. I'm going to see everybody, but uh, I should have gone right. out looking for them just to see if they'd isolated them in the business <laughs> meetings, um, just to make sure they didn't leave. You know, they left them alone. Now the Greensboro game uh, is still marked as postponed. Um, right. There was a second game. Remind me what it was because it's already been moved. And I can't... Yeah, it was Methodist. It's, okay. It was Methodist. It's a doubleheader, men and women with Methodist. And uh, I think the date we're looking at that one is the 26th. Yeah, I see that so now on your schedule. 26th. And obviously you're going to still right. try and get that Greensboro game set, I would assume. Right. Um, but your, your, your schedule's tight. I mean, um, granted, is. you'd like, like to fit it in this week if you could, but that's not poss- necessarily always possible on the drive to get down there either. Right. No, I mean, I... It, you know the other the other trick is we're trying to work this out as a as a men women double header right um, and so you you've got to line everybody's schedules up otherwise it gets kind of topsy turvy and you can't can't put it all together one one gender may have a game on a date and then the other doesn't so we've got some dates where all four coaches and and, and ads are all working on this thing but um, we don't have a date hammered out but it will play I mean we're definitely going to play it's just a matter of how do we make it work. I, I'm 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 busy, curious to see how long this trip is. It's four and a half hours on a good day. Um, right. You know, you got you got to drive basically up to Knoxville and then go across the mountains um, through Hickory. Oh, lovely Hickory! Um, sure. To get all the way over to Greensboro. Of course, the weather could be a a major factor there as well. So, not the easiest of things to do. You have opening dates, but as you say, it'll it'll certainly be a challenge. Um, let's talk a little bit uh, about this team. You know, again, you're 13 and one overall, sure. five and one in conference. Your lone loss, second game of the season, all the way back when you played Thomas Moore. Um, right. In a, it was a 10 point loss. You then rattled them off since then. And even when you come back from the flu, uh, I would argue you haven't had the toughest of opponents. So it's almost maybe helped you kind of uh, get back into the flow of things. Right, right. Uh, it's been, um, you know, it's been about getting our legs back. You yeah. know, just trying to get, just trying to get back on the floor and just playing basketball again. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Thomas More loss is our lone loss, and uh, I think most people in the country would agree they're pretty good. Um, that was, uh, but it was great. It was a great game for our kids to play a team with with that kind of firepower and that kind of talent, and obviously one very special player in Moss. Mm. And um, it was a good, it was a good check for us. But at the same time. I think it was a really good rallying point for us as well to say, this is the level where we want to play, and these are the kinds of teams and these are the kinds of opponents that you want to see in the NCAA tournament. So let's see where we are today, and we knew we had to get better from that point on. Um, this team has you know, got a handful of seniors, three to be exact. The rest of this is a pretty young right. squad who is certainly stepping up to the plate as it were. Um, you're led by a junior in, in Mackenzie Puckett. Uh, 14 and a half points a game. Alex Bond, the senior, at 10 points a game. Jordan Ballard, the junior, eight points a game. Um, Mindy Brackens, just want to mention her because she's a sophomore at seven and a half points a game. So certainly right. you're getting a wide variety of assistance. You got one senior certainly in the stat sheet that jumps out of you. The Lauren Trent is handing out her seven points a game as well. How nice is it to have a senior class that is certainly contributing, but then you have all these underclassmen who are really the kind of the, the heart of the program, as it were? 
Sure, sure. Um, it's nice. It's nice to have the balance. It's nice to have the balance of um, you know three really good seniors who've been with us for for you know some successful seasons at the top to kind of show us the way every day. Um, it's great to know you've got some talent then also in the junior, sophomore, and freshman classes, and, and you're always trying to get young kids to contribute and throw them in the fire as much as you can so that by the time they are sophomores and, and juniors that they're ready to, to step up and lead. So it's, it is nice. It's nice. To, I mean, the senior-laden teams, and we, we had one of those a couple of years ago, I mean, there's something very special about that because they have kind of that attitude of been there, done that. Um, but with a team where you have a lot of new, new people in new places, you know, new faces, that kind of thing, uh, there's an excitement about making that work too, and a certain hunger where they want to prove some things as well. I'm talking to Coach Darren Trevelyan here of Maryville, the number 22 ranked team in the country. Actually moved up the poll despite the flu um, last <laughs> uh, week. Certainly was a nice little touch. You're outscoring your opponents by nearly 20 points a game. Um, you know, you you beat the likes of Emory and in, in, in Birmingham Southern, Transylvania. You got a win over there, having a terrific season uh, as well. Of course, in conference action, you've been certainly been in control so far, uh, as it were. What's it like to be having? I wouldn't want to say games well in hand late, but certainly comfortable late that you can maybe sub. You can maybe at least give give your players a bit of a break. Right. Well, I think my players, and, and I know my assistant coach, C.J. Dake, would say that I'm never comfortable. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, we we typically are rotating 10 people in and out throughout the course of the game. Um, so that you know, it's nice to be able to do that. And, and we're doing that if we're up five, down five, and it doesn't matter to me. We're going to play kids throughout. Um, but there is something about learning at the end of the game, about management, learning, you know, putting some people out there on the floor, uh, in competitive moments, but also to get them some quality minutes as well, and uh, it, it it has been nice. But yeah, I never feel I never feel comfortable. I never feel in control. I, I you know, I just, I just go out there and, and you know hope to get through forty minutes. And it's really nice when you're on the right side of the scoreboard at the end of forty. Um, you guys are sitting in second place on your side of the conference behind Piedmont. You're both undefeated in conference play, both three and thirteen and one. Piedmont just happens to have one more win. Of course, right behind you is LaGrange, who's 10-5, and 5-1 five, five and one in conference, without even looking on the other side of things. That's a tough little trio right there, the way it's looking like on paper, and Piedmont's certainly playing good right now. Yeah, I mean, Piedmont, I think, is leading the world in scoring right now. Um, <laughs> Jamie, does a, Jamie does a really good job with her team, and they... They put a lot of points on the board, um, so we, you know, it's funny. That's an old rival from the from the Great South. Yeah. We came into the USA South together, and uh, so as much as I am always rooting for her to do well, <laughs> um, as an old friend and an old foe, um, you know, it, it doesn't break my heart if they drop one now and then too, because you know <laughs> we're going to play them twice. I mean, yep. you're going to get two two games with them. You know, they're both going to be battles, and uh, you know, if if we could get some help from some other people, I'd appreciate it. But if not, then. <laughs> You know, the head to heads will decide who wins uh, who wins that half hopefully and Lagrange you know same deal an old an old foe from the old uh, GSAC as well and those games were always competitive and those games were rivalry games and they're battles I mean they've been battles long before I got to Maryville and, and will be you know in the, in the near future as well should point out by the way you have now won a hundred games fastest to get there at Maryville or should point out uh, you've had nothing but two two uh, 20 win seasons. During your time there, well, 2011-12 was 19-7, and seven, but let's round up and call it 20 just to be safe. Um, what's it like to be to be that successful 
in your, what, four years, five years as head coach? Right. Um, it's humbling more than anything else, and it's um, it's it's really nice. You know, the other night um, when we when we got the, the 100th win, a lot of our alums from these past four teams were there, and uh, it, w- it was fun to see all of them in the gym. And uh, at the same time, you're going through the game, you're thinking, gosh, don't let us lose, don't let us lose, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it was fun to have those girls there. And afterwards, to get together our, our current roster with those alums, and, and that, that was a really good time. And, I mean, I, I know at the end of the day those kids won 100 games, and, and they can blame me for the 25 losses we've had, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Um, uh, the best thing was the next day to get one on one and just be able to to move past sure. all the discussion of one hundred and you know, that's the worst thing is you're waiting you get to ninety nine and you're nervous about getting to a hundred and then after a hundred you're thinking don't let me get stuck here forever let's just let's move on so we can just worry about the season. Um, I want to thank the flu actually for allowing that hundredth you know, win to fall on the sixteenth uh, on a Friday <laughs> um, versus being a, a road game. Uh, so the right, flu worked right. out in some cases, Coach, because all the alums could come to the you know, home it game. Did. It did. You know, you, you've got to look at the glass half full. So <laughs> exactly. I appreciate, I appreciate that, Dave. That's really nice. Uh, anything I can do to help. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, uh, last season ended unfortunate at Rhodes uh, in the first round um, against a tough uh, Texas um, Tyler team, certainly, but certainly not the outcome you guys wanted, especially 67-43. I've asked this about a lot of coaches throughout the season. We're at that point, certainly, where it's less relevant. But is is that finish kind of stuck in the craw, as it were, a little bit? Is that kind of the one that maybe the players are still driving on? You know, it's funny. Um, almost any other year, I would say yes, that, that that's something that really would eat at you and, you know, because you certainly don't want to go out that way. But right. but I'm actually, ironically enough, I'm going to say no because we went into February. We lost Mackenzie Puckett to a torn ACL. We lost Lindley Dunn, who was our backup five last year, to a surgery. And we lost Mindy Brackens, who was a freshman who started at the three to, to an ACL tear. And so we played February the entire month shorthanded. And so in a lot of ways, the fact that we were able to, to keep things moving along and piece it together and get into the NCAA tournament, we're always going to look back at that and talk about the perseverance. And, and Dave, you mentioned earlier, we have some kids who are, who are playing for us now who are underclassmen. They all got to play last year in February in the conference tournament, got to go to the NCAA, and I think we actually reaped a lot of benefit from that experience. So obviously a disappointing loss, you don't want to go out that way, but at the same time, the journey and the fact that we got there made our team better for this year. Well, uh, it certainly has shown, except for the flu, um, that you guys are on the roll. Flu, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give it the win. Um, sure. And so I, I hate to tell you, but uh, I think the official record should be 13-2. and two. Um, <laughs> It was a convincing yeah. win by Sydney the flu. Sydney Moss and the flu, Dave. Yep. Sydney Moss and the yep. flu. Sydney Moss been, been and really the tough. flu have taken down Maryville Scotts. Um, I believe I'm going to have to ask Pat to put that on the top 25 docket officially. We'll see if that keeps you in the top 25. But um, the flu is the flu is relentless. It, it's it's got a pretty good record, to say the least. But I'm actually kind of happy you guys are on the other side of it. The school is certainly on the other side of it, and you're recovering again. Games at home against Meredith and Baldwin Wallace coming or Mary Baldwin, I should say. If it was Baldwin Wallace, it's a whole other story. Um, coming up. Coach, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, before we let you go, though, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Sure. Well, again, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. I always enjoy talking with you and being able to talk about our great game. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what my kids have done so far. I think we're off to a great start. 
as we talked about, our, our conference schedule is going to be tough, and those those old rivalries as well as these new rivalries are going to challenge us throughout. I love I love the competitive fire of my kids. I love the way we defend, and you know our our fans here and our our school they definitely embraced what we're trying to do. And our goal this year is to try to get back to that 21st NCAA tournament and. We're going to push for that for the next six weeks. So, so thanks again for having us on. Absolutely, thanks for uh, for coming on. I'm just going to fist bump you through the air. I'm not going to worry about Perfect. trying to to give you a hug or a handshake. But uh, uh, stay <laughs> healthy. Right uh, try and recover from <laughs> the you. second wave, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how you guys do and what it will be a very condensed schedule for the next few weeks. You got it. Take care. Coach. All right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Darren Trevelyan joining us here on Hoop. So appreciate him taking the time. Jeez, that is one heck of a story about dealing with the flu. Talk about a domino effect too, huh? Ah, coach, I'm just feeling a little tired. Feeling a little tired. Next day, <laughs> I've got the flu. And so does everybody else. Uh, again, they are on the are at home against Meredith and Mary Baldwin for hitting the road against Meredith or Methodist. They'll round out the season or round out January with a game on the road at Piedmont. That will be a great Proud a barometer at that point. Obviously, they'll have the rematch with Piedmont to go at home, but that will be a great game. Keep January 31st on everybody's radar for the Maryville Scots and, and Piedmont as well. Speaking of Piedmont, coming up next, we'll talk to their athletics director, John Zeke. He'll talk to uh, He is retiring. I caught up to him at the NCAA convention. He and I go pretty far back, as you'll find out in the interview. Um, but he will uh, join us here uh, momentarily. If you have any questions for us, join us on Twitter at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. When we come back, Coach John Zeke, and then we'll wrap up the show and look ahead at what's coming up as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, 
Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville. Obviously not in studio here. We're at the NCAA convention here at the Gaylord uh, Hotel and Convention Center. And I'm joined by John Zeke, former head coach at Cabrini, which many people might remember was one of our early Hoopsville interviews. And now uh, has been the athletics director at Piedmont. Uh, and now you have officially retired. So I thought it would be appropriate that if... Hoopsville as well. Well, thank you for having me, Dave. That's great. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I made a decision uh, 10 years at Piedmont, and uh, when I went to Piedmont, I told them that was my time frame. So now if you like me for 10 years, you hopefully you'll keep me, and if I'm there for that period of time, I think that'll be it. So sure. my wife and I have decided that uh, it's time to go uh, enjoy ourselves in Pauly's Island, South Carolina. Well, we'll talk about the future in a bit, but <laughs> the experience at Piedmont, and, and you had to, you, you've been there for a lot of good stuff and a couple tough spots along the way. We'll talk a little bit about that, but what was the experience like to be AD for 10 years? I enjoyed it very much. Uh, number one, Piedmont's a really nice school, uh, good academic school. What I always tell people, if you used to cut me open, blue blood would come out because it was Cabrini. <laughs> But now it's uh, blue and green okay. because uh, Piedmont's been a, a very good landing place for me in a second home. Uh, good, good leadership from presidents allowed us to grow the athletic program, and I feel that we've accomplished quite a bit in 10 years in uh, putting Piedmont in a very positive position. Of course, beating Emory, you probably had a nice smile on your face after that result. Anytime you beat Emory, that's a big <laughs> one. Yeah, we were pretty happy about that, and our guys really played well that night. Basketball a couple years ago, obviously you had to make the hard decision of saying, you know what, we've got to stop this season for varying reasons, not worth rehashing history necessarily. But how tough was that decision for you to make, and how how proud are you to see where the program has all quickly rebounded to? Yeah, it was a very difficult decision, and, you know, I've been in athletic administration now 35 years. It's the first time I ever had to pull the plug on a team midseason. And uh, it was a very difficult one, particularly with my background in basketball, yeah. to have to make that decision. But uh, it was, in retrospect, I think the right thing to do. Uh, it was certainly done for the welfare of the remaining student-athletes that we had. And we were real lucky to land a young man that I knew personally, Greg Neely, our present coach, who's just done a magnificent job. In, as you say, very rapidly putting us back in a very competitive situation. And, of course, a lot of those players who, who had that season cut short, still participating. At least they seem to be having the good experience as well now. Yeah, we went through the uh, NCA waiver process, got them a year of eligibility back. We have a number of that core group, Jesse Jenkins, Chris Meeks, that are still playing for us. And uh, they've been real important in terms of making the whole thing come back together. You, uh, you also couldn't get away from the basketball court. <laughs> During your tenure, you had a few coaching gigs, including assistant under the women's team, I had fun with your women's coach recently talking about how do you how do you differentiate telling him what to do when you're the head coach and he's the assistant versus he's your AD as well. But what was it like to be on the bench again? Yeah, Jamie said, uh, Coach Zeke, sit down and shut up. <laughs> and I listen, Perfect. He's the head coach. She gets that opportunity. Yeah, she, and I told her, that's your right, you're the head coach. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that, to be quite honest. I had never, you know, been involved in coaching women's basketball, and it's absolutely different. Uh, but had a great time. We had a great team that year. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we had a, a wonderful season. We kind of got upset on the road in the playoffs at LaGrange, by LaGrange. But uh, 
We had Sade Wheeler, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do it because I knew Sade had the ability to be a really outstanding player, and I said to Jamie, I'm happy to do this as long as you let me work with Sade, and, and Jamie was good enough to do that. Um, when you look at the, the years of coaching and then the years of being an AD, I, I'm certainly not going to try and tell, ask you what the best moment was, but when, when you look back fondly, what are you going to kind of remember about your administrative life? If, and we'll talk about the future maybe coming yeah. up too, though. Uh, actually, you know, it's kind of interesting because I you know, made the announcement the other day about retiring at Piedmont and stuck it on Facebook, and I'm not a big Facebook guy. No, you're guy. not. No, really I'm not. And, you know, it kind of blew up, and I got a lot of responses from ex-players and friends. And I would tell you that the biggest thing that, that I think I would cherish is the relationships that you that you have, uh, particularly with the players uh, that I've been able to coach over the years. Literally one of the first people who responded was one of the women's basketball players at Piedmont who nice. played on that team. So th that that's the fondest memories that I'll have or the relationships that I was able to develop over the years, both, uh, you know, professionally, but also, again, with the many, many athletes that I was able to uh, come in contact with. you got that great baritone bass voice. You've decided to use it with a little bit of broadcasting. What's it like to be on the other side of the table, as it were? I actually really like it a yeah. lot because uh, I get to say what I want. They can't really fire me. <laughs> they don't pay me enough to, to uh, do what I'm doing. Uh, but, no, I really do because I love the game of basketball, and I like to be able to analyze situations a little bit when I'm the color guy. Uh, I'm trying to do some play-by-play. -play. I'm not quite as good it's at hard. that. That's harder to yeah. do. But I'm learning, and uh, I really do enjoy it. They asked me to do it one time, and I liked it so much I've continued with it. Um, future. Uh, when you talk to people and they know you as much as they know you, they're like, oh, come on, he's going to get back into something. He's going to want to coach somewhere. You say you're retiring to your home in South Carolina with your lovely wife, but what do you hope you can do in the future? What are you hoping to be able to accomplish? Well, you know, we are really retiring there, and whatever I accomplish, that's going to be my home base, let's put it that way. Well, yeah, you know, I really don't have a plan. I have to tell you, I have a couple things. Coaching is one of the ideas that still is in my mind as a possibility. I have some personal goals that I haven't really accomplished that I'd like to try to accomplish. But, uh, you know, it would have to be the right time, the right situation. I'd have to be a right fit. As an AD, I understand that very yeah. well. But um, I, I don't really have a plan right now, but I certainly am going to be involved in a lot of different things, I think, because uh, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to sit in a rocking chair and, you know, wild no, away the days. No, I didn't see it's that. not my style. No, I didn't see that. I think we might get you lassoed into a few things ourselves at D3 good. Hoops. But uh, you talk about bleeding blue as well for Cabrini, and when you left, certainly it, it was an upheaval, certainly alumni not happy. There, there was a lot of tension. Program suffered for a number of years and then rebounded. Um, Marcus Kahn certainly job. did a great, great job there. They're not having the season maybe they'd love to have this year, but maybe not unexpected either. But what's it like to see that program at least bounce back eventually? Well, and that's, you know, regardless of how things ended for me personally, you know, Cabrini's a much bigger entity, and Cabrini basketball is a big entity. And, and I've always wanted Cabrini basketball to succeed, whether I was there or not. I used to tell my players regularly in practice, doesn't matter who walks away from this, this program is going to continue to have the tradition that it has. So there's nobody that's too important, including myself. So I was very thrilled that Marcus was able to put us back on the map nationally and, and do the wonderful job. And, and look, Tim Tim's inherited a mm -hmm. team, and he's a young coach, and he's struggling a little bit now. But he, he had the opportunity to learn, learn under Marcus. So I, I think that you know the future 
will be bright for Cabrini basketball. Uh, I hate to bring this up, but one of my early memories of, of, of NCAA tournament basketball was at Goucher. You guys oh, were, boy. yeah, you were there. <laughs> I'm PA announcer. Uh, not that I remember specifics, but uh, it, it's kind of cool that you, you, you go that far back, at least in my mind. So it's kind of nice that I get the chance to have a face-to-face -face interview with you yeah. here, here in the Gaylord. So thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. As always, though, I give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to uh, give those my, who are watching? Yeah, my final word for uh, any of you ADs out there that are looking for a basketball coach <laughs> help with your program. And you don't have to pay me a whole lot of money because <laughs> I'm retired not, yeah. now. So. And if I can't do that, maybe I can broadcast your games. There you go. Well done. Thank you so much. Thanks, Take Steve. care of yourself. John Zeke, former Cabrini head coach, soon to be former Piedmont AD here on Hoopsville. We'll plenty more Hoopsville coming up. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We'll be back right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division III allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, another show in the books, as it were. I want to thank all of our guests who appeared on the show. Brooklyn's men's basketball coach, Rich McAuliffe. Elmer's men's basketball coach, John Baines. Tufts women's basketball coach, Carla Berube. Maryville women's basketball coach, Darren Trevilian, And then John Zeke, a retiring athletics director at Piedmont, former head coach at Cabrini College. Um, at the NCAA convention, chatted with him. 
Reminder that at the NCA convention, we'll have plenty more of what happened there on the upcoming YD3 show this month. But more importantly, uh, we also got a chance to talk to the men's basketball committee chair, um, Jeff Burns. That will air in 10 days' time. It's generic enough to hold that long. We'll air that coming up on our Hoopsville Marathon show on, on January 29th. We'll also talk to the women's basketball committee chair then at that time as well. Um, of course, at the convention, one big significant thing for basketball, uh, the start date in case the 15th falls on a Saturday, Sunday, or Monday has can be started on a Friday prior. So, case in point, this coming up, upcoming season, if teams want to start on Friday the 13th, and who really wants to start on Friday the 13th? But if you want to, you can. Uh, that is available. Um... Again, once it hits Tuesday, though, then the season starts on the 15th as scheduled. Personally, I, I, it feels like we should just go to a Friday, two Fridays before Thanksgiving all the time. So you have two weekends of basketball before the Thanksgiving break. I think that would give conferences a little bit more ability, or a little bit more free time to get in conference games as they are all trying to sneak them into um, earlier and earlier in the season. But when I do look at November the 15th, when it falls on a, on a Tuesday, which will be a 15th, um, and that is no, that will be in 2016, um, we will only get one weekend of basketball before Thanksgiving weekend. We only will get eight days of basketball before Thanksgiving, and that just doesn't feel like enough. Um, basketball, we're going to have a lot of conference games early as more and more conferences are bigger and playing more games. Uh, it's going to take some creativity as well. We'll see um, how this all plays out, but it's just maybe something that should have been thought about even further in advance maybe um, than, than it has been, and we'll see if it's revisited uh, at future conventions. Um, again, plenty more on the on the YD3 show. Also, uh, on Monday, you'll see a bunch of interviews go up that we conducted at the at the convention as well. Uh, in case you're curious, uh, some great opportunities and some and terrific student athletes that we ran into as well. Um, the week ahead, well, let's just be honest; it's going to be chaotic. Uh, don't forget the new top 25 will come out on the men's side, certainly. Uh, while we probably will not have a new number one, I'd be pretty surprised if we did. Who knows if Augustana holds on to all 24 of their first place votes. But Whitewater, the number two team in the country, will be taking on Stevens Point, the number 18 team in the country. Of course, those rankings could adjust by the time we get to that game. So that'll certainly be on the docket. Um, we'll see how far Dickinson falls for the loss to Hopkins. Maybe Hopkins jumps up quite a bit. Um, how far does Marietta continue to climb? They're sitting in seventh. One would think they probably will. Emory, who was fifth, took two losses. Their losses were to number six, WashU, and to unranked Chicago. Uh, I'm sorry, not unranked. Number 23, Chicago. Of course, Chicago not unranked in my book um, for a long time, but they're 23 now. So how far does Emory fall? Sometimes the voters take out take it out on teams. We'll see how far Emory Tumbles in the top 25. North Central lost two games after hitting number nine. How far will they fall, including a game, the number 22, Elmhurst? Um, of course, the other game was the number one, Augustana. 
How does that equal itself out? By theory, of course they lost the number one Augustana and should have been expected. But Elmer's winning will certainly make North Central fall. Franklin Marshall lost as well. By the way, top 25. Uh, Daryl uh, uh, Nestor puts out this in the in the top 25 board on the D3 boards. Always puts out a kind of a where everybody stood. I got a chance to see Daryl several times at the NCAA convention, though very quickly. Um, he and I had plans to actually sit down and chat, and it never happened. We were both too busy. He was a delegate for Bluffton. Uh, I wish we could have had a chance to sit down more. I feel bad that we didn't, but it was nice to meet Daryl. Uh, Daryl puts this out, and in the top 25 this week on the men's side, um, I'm counting up the losses, 13 losses in the top 25. Dickinson lost to, ha to Hopkins, as we point out. Emory lost twice, as we point out. North Central lost twice, as we point out. Franklin and Marshall lost on Saturday. Richard Stockton lost last Monday. Babson lost to WPI, who had lost to MIT prior to that, but Babson with their second loss of the season. Ohio Wesleyan lost on Wednesday to, Bab to Wabash. Elmers lost to Carthage, uh, I think it was on Wednesday. Scranton lost twice, overtime to Ithaca, and then Catholic. And then Amherst lost to Tufts. They went 2-1 and one on the week. In those receiving votes alone, um, 15 losses there. Harden-Simmons got their second loss, and it was to Mary Harden-Baylor. Bates lost two of three this week. They beat Maine Prescott, then lost to Trinity and Amherst. Hamden-Sydney lost to Randolph-Macon and Eastern Mennonite, the second one in double overtime. Williams lost to Bowden. Rowan lost to William Patterson and Rutgers-Newark. Uh, Trinity lost to uh, Merchant Marine and lost to Tufts, two, a one and two on the week for Trinity. Uh, Lynchburg lost to Guilford, Dubuque lost to Buena Vista, DePaul lost to Wittenberg and Ohio Wesleyan, and Cal Lou lost to Occidental. It was one of those weeks, and we've been getting a lot of them in the top 25 on the men's side, whereas on the women's side, it's essentially not status quo, but certainly quiet. Daryl put that out. Top 25 on the women's side saw more losses than I'm used to seeing. Um, but just eight, because Amherst lost to Tufts, Montclair lost to Richard Stockton, Scranton lost to Catholic, Hope lost to Calvin, no surprise, they're both ranked, one of them was going to lose, Wheaton lost to North Park, Whitworth lost to George Fox, Oshkosh lost to Eau Claire, Williams lost to Bowden. Uh, those receiving votes took a hit, that's for sure, but just a difference in the men and the women, though the women had a certainly a number of losses. Gordon Mann might actually have to take more than 10 minutes to do his top 25 poll. Don't forget, coming up Thursday, we will be live with Hoopsville again. We'll talk East, Mid-Atlantic, South, and West regions, or Great Lakes and West regions, with maybe South, depending on who's in there. Believe it or not, we are talking about going on the road this weekend to see games, and believe it or not, I have not figured out where yet. It's been a challenge. I've got some ideas. I've had some invitations. We're going somewhere this weekend. Just haven't figured out who and where. We'll figure it out. We'll try and keep you informed. We might just show up to gyms as a surprise that we're there. We'll conduct some interviews while we're out there as well, wherever we end up being. So keep an eye on that. Don't forget again the 29th. Um, well, next Sunday we'll be on the air. Because right now I don't see any plans to not be back by Sunday. If for some reason that changes, we will keep you informed. Um, 
And then the 29th is our Hoopsville Marathon. Then the first will be our earlier Super Bowl show. We will not do that live for obvious reasons again. And then stay with everything on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Thought you might have some questions, but you guys are all been kind of quiet, so I'm going to sign it off from here. Um, again, thanks to Brooklyn, Elmers, Tufts, Maryville, and Piedmont for their assistance with tonight's show. I want to thank them. Got lots on the docket ahead. Um, we'll see where we end up in a few days' time as well. But we will be live on Thursday because right now we won't leave until Friday to go to wherever we're going for games. I think that should do it. Again, stick with the YD3 show. You can follow that on hashtag or on Twitter at YD3 show or hashtag YD3. You can follow us there for more information on what happened at the convention. Again, to, again, we'll post a bunch of interviews that we conducted there over the weekend. We'll post them on Monday via Twitter. Um, with more to come because we'll have the YD3 show coming out here uh, in relatively short amount of time. If you have any guest ideas for us, because we'll also have our school the week next week, um, send them to us via Twitter or email or Facebook as well. That's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for tuning in. We certainly appreciate all the time that you took to join us, and we certainly hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got ideas, Again, Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I want to thank uh, D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches as well. We'll sign off for now. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by those two entities. If you have any questions for us, make sure you tune in to Hoopsville uh, throughout Thursdays and Saturdays and contact us when we're not on the air. Thanks for everybody tuning in and good night. See you on Thursday.